back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're riding once again with Chizo, and I've got a, uh, a bit, I've done a little bit of a switching around of my side. I've uh, moved a couple of players around, drafted in a new podcast member for this week's uh, uh, mid-price podcast we're doing. We've got JB. How you going there, champion? That is the nicest way I've ever heard someone say pistol's just been straight dropped. <laughs> I, well, what I did, <laughs> what I did is I went through the, uh, the, the Supercoach preseason form guide that you can find on the Dr. Supercoach website and uh, I looked at his uh, his percent of time on ground and his, uh, his points per 80% of game time and I just didn't like uh, what I was seeing and so I saw some good numbers and I just drafted you in today just to, you know, as a mid-price of yourself, you might be able to give us some insight into what are the best ones we should be picking for our Supercoach team in 2017, mate. I'm happy to be here and Pistol's time on ground was through the roof and we just needed to rest him. He's, he's, he's got to rest. Yeah, coming into round one, we do need to get him to, to keep the fresh legs going so we, we don't panic before lockout um, in the next couple of days. I think we're under 48 hours now, JB. Is that right? Yeah, the countdown's going. It's on my phone. It's been there since uh, the grand final last year. Yep, so it's, it's finally getting down. <laughs> All right. Uh, what we're going to do today, guys, is we're going to go through the top 20 um, uh, mid-prices by percentage owned, and we're going to just talk about which ones might be more relevant than others and uh, a Bulldogs Ruckman actually makes it into the the 14th most uh, picked uh, mid-price of this year. That's a little bit of a surprise there, JB. But we'll start with the uh, number one player right at the top of the list, Jaeger O'Meara, priced at $319,000. He's owned by over half of the competition with 52%. Do you have any uh, any stats that he put up during the JLT that might excite some of the people that are sitting on the, the 48% that don't have him in there there, JB? I mean, it's a justified ownership, to be honest. He had 44 points in the first, 90 in the second, and 93 in the third. And the thing to see, to make note of in the first one, is that it was only from 47% time on ground. So he's just putting up exceptional numbers, and it's exactly what we want to see by someone priced really, really low. Yeah, and uh, over over the course of the uh, preseason, he averaged seventy one percent time on ground. And as we've been doing with the rookies uh, in the previous podcast, most players average around about an eighty percent time on ground in the regular season. So if you extrapolate his numbers out, he's averaging eighty six. And for someone that's uh, priced around three hundred k, you know that's a, that's a, a nice bit of wiggle room. And we know that he's still coming back from that injury, and he's had previous years where he's gone nearly 100 so you can only get better from this stage so I have absolutely no dramas picking Jaeger. Yeah he's building there's no doubt about it he's building and when it comes round one I can I can almost lock him into a 90 average at the very minimum I reckon he's going to be exceptional this year for all coaches that pick him. Yeah, it'd be surprising what the uh, the reasons for the 48% that don't have him uh, actually have for not picking him because uh, I'm absolutely um, in love with this bloke um, and he's also a pretty good footballer as well. So we'll go on to the, uh, the <laughs> second ranked uh, mid-pricer for this year. Um, probably not the first time he's been high on a mid-pricer's list and that's Aaron Sanderlands considering I think it was only two seasons ago we were in this exact same position, JB. Uh, Sandy just goes in a bit of a cycle. He has a really good year where his price really low. Then he gets injured the next year, and then he has a really good year where his price really low. Then he'll go and head and get injured the next year. He's just <laughs> he just keeps on popping up for us and making it very very easy to lock away an R two, assuming he avoids injury as long as possible. 
Now, Sanderlands uh, is coming in this year $308,000. He's currently in 45% of teams. And he did put some fantastic numbers up over the preseason, averaging 72% time on ground across his two games. But you extrapolate that out, his points out over 80%. That's 112 there, JB. And that's a, you know, if we're getting 100, and, or 100 or better from Sanderlands over the first few rounds, then he's definitely, uh, um, he's definitely worth choosing. I mean, this may be a big call, but I think Sanderlands genuinely can average the highest of any Ruckman, assuming he plays all his games. So he's just, he's too good to pass up at that value. And it's just, you can't look past him. I don't know what 55% of coaches are doing. Maybe they have wits or someone who we'll talk about later. Yeah, uh, and just to, to recap on uh, that, the 2014 season um, was the year that he came in underpriced. He came in at a price of $64,000 and he ended up playing 21 games the following season for 108. You could be starting with basically your R2 and he could be the last person you need to upgrade even if you, you're, you've got nothing else to do to fix your team. He could ev- easily stay there all year there, champion. So uh, we'll jump into number three, 43% owned, 367000 this year. It's the fantastic story of Jared Roughhead coming back from his cancer battle. I uh, he's another one that we've had a lot of previous knowledge that he can put out premium numbers and uh, through the preseason averaging 86% time on ground slightly lower with uh, only 76 points per 80% so Jared Rufford JB is definitely one we should be looking at as a mid-price option in our forward line what do you think? Um, what I think is going to be against the grain here um, I think the 57% of coaches not starting with Rufford could be onto something he had 63 points in his 83% time on ground in the first one, 95 per 85% time on ground in the second one, which it was seen that he got up the ground a lot more in, um, and they're great signs. But then 76 in his 90% time on ground in the third one, it just looks to me as if he's not getting that midfield time that he was back when he was averaging in that 95 to 105 range. And I don't know if it's due to the year that he's had, which is uh, tragic, but I'm great to see him back, bounce back from but it just seems like he's not going to get that um, amazing midfield time that helped him turn out those massive scores. I'm away from Ruffy at the moment. Okay. So um, you're worried that he's not going to be getting that high half forward. You know, he, he did spend some time running through the ruck and knowing that Segler's out with an ACL for basically the entirety of the season and that Hawthorne struggle as a ruck unit to begin with, uh, particularly with, say, someone like Ty Vick coming in this year, with the more mobile Jared Roughhead, I can I can definitely see him um, continuing that role. I think maybe during the JLT they were more worried about you know just getting him through the game, getting ready for the real thing in round one, and that's where he'll take upon his proper role. But you're you're genuinely worried that he might be a stay at home forward this year. I mean, he played ninety percent time ground in that third game, and in that third game which I watched, it looked like Gunston was getting the move up the ground role. And Roughhead was just stay at home. And 76 for a stay at home forward is great. And for his price, it isn't that bad. But it just worries me that people are selecting him thinking he's going to be a keeper all year when he might even be monitored a lot. So it's, it's a scary thought. 
Yeah, it's hard to hard to try and figure out exactly how his body's going to uh, uh, recover to the, uh, the the tough nature of AFL after the year he's just had. So we'll jump on to the next player. The fourth most selected mid-pricer is Dane Beams, again with 43% owned, 420, uh, 432,000, the cheapest that he would have come in for quite some time. Average 72% time on ground across the JLT. Again, his 80% average is 123 points. For me, Dane Beams is an absolute no-brainer, and I'm willing to take the risk on a guy like this. And just that, I just find his upside just uh, so um, so much better than everyone around him in that uh, that price range. That he's just a no-brainer for me. There, JB. Fifty-seven percent of coaches have lost their minds. What are they doing? <laughs> this guy, he's got the captaincy. The club's backing him in to play games. It's just exceptional to think that so many people are risking not having this guy when he's so highly owned for one individual player. He did everything he could in the JLT. He's got the history. He's got everything. Why are people not picking this player? It makes no sense to me. I think that a lot of people are kind of um, staying away because they are worried about his injury history. He hasn't played 22 games in a season for an extended period of time. The thing for me is that he did spend a lot of time recovering last year with his knee tendonitis um, and that's something that can flare up at any time so it's something to be mindful of but the thing is he's done all the right things he was well ahead of schedule coming into pre-season and towards the end of last year he was setting himself up for an attack on round one you know he's been given the captaincy why like he's definitely going to walk out round one and he's just going to smash out 100 plus scores all year I think he's got his fitness back from everything that we can uh, we can understand all the knowledge that we have all the information we've got coming in he is going to be a force to be reckoned with and he's going to be that number one lead dog and uh, Rockliffe for example is going to have to play to the wayside because Beams is going to be that new king up in the uh, up at Brisbane there JB if it helps anyone make their decision on Beams last year towards the end of the year when he was rumored to be coming back for one or two rounds I was thinking of getting him in at something like 620k or was it the year before, whatever year it was I was going to trade this guy in at a premium price, even with the injury. He's 430k. Just get him in, guys. You will not regret it. I think the uh, the, the the best thing about Beams is last year we had, say, a, a Dangerfield that went 130. We had a Pendlebury that went um, 118. And then there was that little step down to everyone else. So it was, you know, the JPKs, uh, the Hanabries that were going 111, 113, that kind of mark. We have years of evidence that Jay, uh, Dane Beams can easily go 120 if he gets a proper run at it. And that puts him well ahead of any of the other selections you can have in the midfield. Obviously, fitness pending. Another one that um, did have some knee issues. The fifth on our list today is uh, David Swallow. Thirty-eight percent have him at two hundred and eighty k. He played quite well through in the uh, through the JLT, and a lot of people were saying. You know, like he, he, we didn't see him. Like he, uh, like did he even play? Um, I can tell you, he did play. He only averaged sixty-seven percent time on ground because they're slowly working him up to round one. But if you extrapolate his points out, they're actually higher than Jaeger O'Meara's, and he averaged ninety-three points per eighty percent game time. JB. The thing that worries me about Swallow, and I've been on and off him all preseason, he had a disposal efficiency that he just cannot mirror throughout the season. It was something like 190% for the two games combined. It was through the roof. So for those two scores, they might be a touch inflated. But at the end of the day, his value, he just presents too much with no rookies putting their hands up for us. He's, he, he's another one that you just have to lock in. 
And for me, he is a more of a proven commodity, um, especially when I'm comparing him to Jaeger O'Meara. The year that David Swallow won the Gold Coast BNF, he averaged 103 as a back forward swing. So, you know, he, he's got the history that he can go well above uh, uh, above 100. Um, Jaeger has never done that in a season before. So um, if I'm choosing between the two, this year, the uh, the JLT form... Um, is kind of uh, uh, not considering that in the in the slightest because they're both just coming back from injury and they they're both getting um, uh, ready for round one. But that extra 40k that you get going to swallow and the history that he that we know he can go 100 plus is why I'm looking at him over a Jaeger Omir at this stage. Someone that has come out of nowhere this preseason, our number six on the list, Toby Nankervis. Nank the Tank, 367K, owned by 33% of the competition. I reckon two weeks ago, uh, JB, he wouldn't have been owned by 3% of the competition, mate. I would have been staggered if he was, and I would have called each one of those 3% people individually and told them not to play Supercoach again. But (laughs) there and behold, we have Nank in our team. He's been exceptional. And with him and Sandy there, he just provides that perfect cover. You just whack him in the forward line, forget about him. Hopefully, he gets up to that 85 to 95 average. And if he does, he's either a keeper or he's perfect backup for Sanderlands when he inevitably drops out. He has just presented himself in the perfect year. Yeah, exactly. And um, everyone was talking about Ryder leading up to um, the 2017 season, and suddenly no one's talking about Ryder whatsoever. Ryder has less than half the percentage of ownership than Toby Nankervis does, and that's based all on the JLT um, the, the JLT work he's done. Uh, averaged uh, 78% time on ground. He will be the number one ruckman and the, probably the sole ruckman uh, with Ben Griffiths chopping him out a little bit in the ruck line. Um 106 points per 80% time on ground. I don't think that we can expect 100-plus average for Toby Nankervis, but I think anything below 90, 95 is probably a burn on him for the amount of money that you're spending to get him. So if he can go between 95 and 100, then he is an absolute steal, particularly in the forward line where those numbers will be premium numbers there, JB. Yeah, and just remember, don't expect the world with Nank because he's not only offering you a decent scoring option, but he's offering you cover that no other player can offer. So if you get an 80 and 80 and a 75 from him in the first three rounds and you trade him out thinking, no, nah, he's a dud, and then Sandy goes around and goes down in round five, you're stuffed. Like he's there for multiple purposes. You just have to stick with the Nank if you're getting him in. And I just think he's a, he's a crazy convenient option for this year. Yeah. Number seven on our list, Caleb Marchbank, moved down from GWS to Carlton, one of about eight players. I think that's done that now. 236K, <laughs> so he's slightly elevated, owned by 31% of the competition. And I can absolutely see why. He averaged 85% time on ground, averaging 78 points per 80% game time. And I think that's about what we can expect for, for Marchbank, 75 to 85, somewhere in that range this year. You know, he's playing along the Carlton back line, um, which we know is, is points friendly. They've got that friendly role. He's never going to take the number one uh, number one forward while he's down there. And he's someone that I'm very happy to have as a, a D4, um, especially knowing that he's got great job security there, JB. Yeah, the Carlton Giants just keep growing, don't they? They they keep recruiting <laughs> from, from somewhere, but no one knows where. But, I mean, Marchbank's just one of those ones where if he was an option last year nobody would have been talking about him but if you look at our other defensive rookies unfortunately we just have to find money for these guys and that's why they're so highly owned Um, at 31% 
ownership for Marchbank and at his price range, I can see that growing as people see the teams are released and there are no defending rookies that are available. Yeah, someone that uh, I'm surprised only has 26% ownership is number eight on our list, Jack Steele. Tore, absolutely tore the preseason apart, 347K. Only averaged 60% time on ground, but averaged 142 points per 80% time on ground. Is that a, something that we can expect during the uh, the season proper, JB, do you think? Cheezo, here's a steal. Come on. <laughs> Come on. You know, the, you know Pistol's going to be absolutely disappointed that you got that one and he didn't. I taught him the pun game, so he can't be mad at anything. Um, no, no Steele yeah. is just amazing. I, I can't believe where this guy has come from. In that first game where he only scored 50, people are going to look at that and go, all right, here's what we expect from Steele. That was in 35% time on ground. He's been so ridiculously good that it actually... Uh, I didn't... Oh, I couldn't imagine picking this guy in the preseason. It didn't even go through my head. And when someone mentioned him in our group chat, I, I literally laughed at them. I, f- I actually feel bad now. But, oh, my Lord, he has just come from the skies, and he just looks like an amazing option. He's another one where if you pass up on him and he comes out with two big scores, you're going to be getting through everything to get him in, just like Aaron Hall last year. Yeah, um, hopefully, by unlike Aaron Hall last year, that he burns us after round three. Yeah, Aaron Hall did burn out fairly quickly. I moved heaven and earth to get Aaron Hall, and <laughs> thinking that he would like, I stuck to my gut all preseason and said, preseason said he's going to spot it. He's just he's more show. He's, everyone's just window shopping and think he's going to be the best thing until they actually get it in their hands. And then I fell for it, hook, line, and sinker, and just basically sold the farm just to get Aaron <laughs> Hall in. And then what happened? He yeah. didn't play a good game for the rest of the season. That backfire. Um, <laughs> uh, number nine on our list, uh, owned by 19%, is Cam McCarthy, 204K. You're probably asking, why do we have someone that's 204K in a, uh, a mid-prices list? That's mainly because we're talking about guys that have played AFL and then had a year off for whatever reason. They're underpriced for whatever reason. Cam McCarthy is priced at 204K because he has played AFL, he's spent the year off, and now we're considering a mid-pricer. He didn't put up any fantastic numbers that really justified 19% of him owning him so far there, JB. Guys, he's not underpriced. He's overpriced. This guy, from what I've seen in the preseason, 39 off 79, 74% game time, 58 off 92% game time, and then he kicks a bag and gets 86 off 88% game time. He does not look good at all. And if you have him and don't have Taranto, you uh, honestly, you're going to be in strife because McCarthy's not putting up big numbers and he won't during the season either, unless Frio kill a team and he walks out with four goals or five goals. The, the, the thing to notice about Cam McCarthy is that at Frio, he's now basically their number one forward, their go-to target. He's their, their forward key that has that talent. He's not like a Kirsten who's just like a, a tough worker. Cam McCarthy has that bit of X factor, so they're going to try and get it to him as much as possible. What does that mean? It means that he gets the number one defender every single week. And for someone that's 21 years of age, has had a year off from AFL, it's not... Um, it's, it, I just don't see him being worth 204k. I think that um, uh, Eddie will probably average a very similar average to Cam McCarthy, but he's $102,000 cheaper. He's literally half the price. Yeah. Like, uh, I can't justify getting Cam McCarthy in my team. Um, do you agree with that, JB? Yeah, I 100% agree with everything there. It's just insane, his ownership. It should be below 10%. 
Yeah. Um, t- number 10 on our list, Joe Watson, someone I was lucky enough to pick up in the Dr. Supercoach Keeper League draft and I was absolutely stoked about. 453K, 18% of the competition have him in. He actually put up some reasonably impressive numbers over the preseason there, JB. Yeah, this surprised me when looking into Joe. 92 off 62% game time, which is amazing. 94 off 69%. And then he seemed to have burnt out in the third game, getting 84 and 75%. At 104 per 80% game on time on ground. That That's really good. But unfortunately, he's priced too high for us to consider, considering we've got Beams, O'Meara, and Swallow all looking to average more than him during the season, or at least keep up with him and starting at way cheaper. I guess the benefit for those that are worried about injury history, you could use the money that you could get a David Swallow um, and a Jaeger O'Meara and you could buy Joe Watson and a cheap rookie. So if they were really worried about injury, that's something that you could go. Um, but, you know, obviously because Joe Watson had the the, year, uh, the year's holiday, didn't, did, well, didn't suffer an injury, if that makes sense. So, you know, he's definitely someone that is worth considering. He's more um, worth considering than Dyson Heppel because... Um, uh, Dyson Heppel still comes at a premium, even with a 10% off. Um, and Job was coming off a, a reasonably poor year before he got his 10% off. So he is underpriced. I don't think you can expect anything above 100 for him this year. And I even think even 100 is a stretch. What do you reckon there, JB? I 100% agree. Um, if you're worried about an injury... Um I can see why you'd go to Job and think that it's safer, but honestly, it'd be safer to start with Beams and get that extra 20 points per week. If if even it lasts four weeks longer, then you've already got an extra, what, 80 points? Like It's just so much more worth it. Um, yeah, I, if Job averages more than 105, I'll eat my hat. I, I, will, I wouldn't be surprised if he went under us. Check in next week for when JB eats his hat. <laughs> uh, number 11 on our list, Zach Tui. Everyone was getting uh, all over Zach Tui's rig when he was putting out huge numbers in the JLT. The surprising thing is he only averages 97 points per 80% time on ground there, JB. Well, he played over 90% in each game. That is insane amount of game time. Um, he is durable. I think he's got the fourth highest record for consecutive games in the AFL at the moment. Um, so he's very, very durable. So he, you can pretty much count on him to play the 22. Number 12 on the list, recent uh, signing to uh, Collingwood down from GWS, Will Hoskin Elliott. 213K there. Uh, 16% of teams have him in. 73% game time uh, over the JLT. But he, uh, he put up some reasonably interesting scores with an 83% uh, 83 points per 80% game time there, JB. Yeah, he's drifted in and out of my team thus far in the preseason. But, I mean, 213K, Taranto is definitely a better option, I'd say. And that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, I can only afford one expensive rookie in my forward line. I'm not sure how other people are structuring their teams, especially considering we have to put so much money into the midfield. So unfortunately, we'll just get pushed aside a little bit. But his numbers do look good. Um, I will say, however, I will be surprised if he averages any more than 70 for the season. So um, it could just be a case of having a bit more space in the JLT. Yeah, again with Will Hoskin Elliott, he's that elevated price that doesn't really have that scoring performance benefit over a lot of the uh, the underpriced rookies. 
So for me, he's not someone I'm looking at because I don't think that he can justify that extra price tag. And uh, someone that I can't justify the extra price tag as well on uh, uh, on top of Toby Nankervis is uh, 13 on our list, Patrick Ryder, to uh, 420K. Uh, that extra uh, 60K on top of Nankervis, I really can't justify based on his JLT performances, only averaging 69% time on ground and 79 points per 80%. And we basically know that he's not going to be uh, spending his whole game time in the ruck um, from what we've seen in the the JLT and what we've heard coming out of uh, the the power news. he was someone that everyone was very, very big on the preseason, and then suddenly his his percentage of ownership just you know quartered there. JB, it is interesting to see that sixteen percent of the competition um, are Port supporters. It's just I can't justify sixteen percent of people owning him when you've got sixty k sitting there with Nankovic. It's just doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, his last game of one hundred and seventy and eighty four percent game time. Port smacked Hawthorne. Like, I don't think Port are going to have that good of a year. Um, and if Hawthorne were, I mean, if they let Ryder off the chain, then that just seems to be a lazy effort by them. I don't see him averaging any more than 80 for the whole year. Yeah, I, I, I'm slightly higher than that. I think he can go around 90, but I definitely don't see him being a, a, a someone that is worth the price tag of 420 because he's less of a stepping stone than, say, a Toby Nankervis is. Um, uh, coming to 14th on our list is another DPP ruck, and it's a bit of a surprise here, JB. It's Tom Boyd. I'm shocked. I don't know what to say. I think a few people uh, have just watched the replay from the 2016 AFL Grand Final where he should have, should have won his Norm Smith, and uh, they've just uh, expecting him to carry it on to the, uh, into uh, 2017. 290k, so he is uh, a fairly cheap option. He 14% of teams have him. He played 88% during the JLT, but he was only averaging 51 points per 80% game time. JB, if any of our community members have this man. Um, maybe flick me a message because it's just insanity. You're going two or three years early on him if he'll ever be an option. I mean, he did have a great grand final and you can give him that. He scored okay in that third game, but 79 off 89% game time. But honestly, 10K, you get Sandy and that's just a way better option. If you don't want to do that, then you go up, what, 60 or 70K and you've got Nankovic. Like, just find the money. Boyd is not a great option. Yeah, um, someone that I do rate uh, as a uh, an interesting option in the uh, forward line, Christian Petrarca, number fifteen on a list, just shy of four hundred k. Twelve percent of teams saw his uh, his massive game for Melbourne in the JLT and have slotted him up forward. I think that he could have a breakout season. I don't think he's going to end up being a keeper in our forward lines, averaging around one hundred ninety five to one hundred. So for that reason, I'm not going at Christian Petrarca, but I wouldn't mock anyone that does think that this is the year. That he breaks out because we know at some point this guy's going to go 100 plus i mean you kind of said it yourself he doesn't look like he'll be a keeper at all and he's at 396k that is just too much for someone that's not going to be a keeper um even with nank at 367 you can still make a case for him being a keeper um that one big game although it was exceptional it's a it's a look into the future you're looking into a crystal ball with that one that will not be the norm for each week of the season 
Yeah, looking into a Christian ball, that's for sure. Uh, number 16 <laughs> on the list is Jared Witts, the man we speak of. 218K, you could arguably say that he's rookie priced. Uh, 71% time on ground during the JLT, and he averaged 71 points per 80% time on ground. But that is a, a not true representation of what he pl- what he did. In round one of the JLT, he played with Dan Curry, and so he only had limited game time. In the second, uh, sorry, the third JLT uh, that he played in, he was the sole ruck and he put up an 85 so I think that's more towards what you can expect if he's the single ruck uh, it's going to be interesting what the, uh, the what Gold Coast do I have a feeling that they might take two big men um, into certain teams say uh, early just before they run up to their bye they play uh, uh, Source Jacobs and Goldstein back to back I wouldn't be surprised if they take uh, some help there for Jared Witts and that's really going to hinder his scoring output and uh, so for that reason I've found the extra 100000 dollars to try and get Sandlands in over him uh, but he is a good cash generation option because he's probably going to average around 80 and he's only 200k look if he was 30k cheaper every single man and his dog would be on wits it's, it'd just be a no-brainer even if he's just on the bench um, but for yeah. some reason, because he's over that 200k mark, people are steering well away. Um, I don't see him as that bad of an option. If you want to make a lot of cash and invest it somewhere else, say your midfield, or you want to upgrade each one of your rookies to those March Banks and um, Hoskin Elliotts, then I can actually sort of justify the wits pick. But it just depends with what you go elsewhere and what sort of contingency plan you set up. So if I got wits in, I'd definitely have Nank in my forward line in case wits bombs out and I just can switch Nank into the rut, trade Wits down to a rookie and just be done with it. So just be careful with who you pair with Wits in your team, but he's not that bad of an option. Yeah, absolutely. Um, number 17 on our list, Callum Mills has had an absolutely flying JLT series, 420K. So you, at that price, you're banking on him becoming a keeper. Uh, 10% of teams have him in 68% game time during the JLT, but he was putting up a 93-point average for 80% games. He doesn't believe in second-year blues, apparently. He's going amazingly, and um, I think I was offering you some some sort of trade, like, I don't know, Dangerfield and Heaney in our keeper league for him. <laughs> like, he just looks sensational, and without Heaney in there, he'll be getting all of that midfield time. I don't actually mind this pick. He got 111 off 80% time on ground, and then 89 off 77% time on ground. The third game, he got 38 off 47%, but... I mean, that's not really a true representation when you're only playing not even half a game. So I don't dislike this pick, but you do have to be ballsy to make it. But hopefully it pays off for you. Yeah, the, the only thing that really concerns me is that if you're picking him, he has to go 100 for his price tag. At yeah. 420k, he has to go 100. You've got Shaw, you've got Doherty, you've got Laird, you've got Tay-Tay, you've got all the old guys and the, the, the Bod Murphys. You've got uh, even JJ, you've got Rancy. There's a whole heap of options that we know will go 95+. plus. At this stage, Callum Mills, if he has a brilliant season, could go 90-95, but he's not going to be a keeper in my view, and for that reason, I have picked someone else ahead of him. Yep. No, uh, I, I do agree. I don't think he'll be a keeper, which is why he's not in my team, but we haven't seen him play 100% or even 80 or 70% midfield time, so he could surprise a lot yeah. of people. 
And it could be anything. So, uh, number 13, uh, sorry, 18 on our list, Nathan Hrovat moved down to uh, North Melbourne this year. Um, 301k, so he's a, a relatively cheap mid pricer. 10% of teams have him floating around the forward line, 78% in the Dow T, and he was putting up reasonably impressive numbers, 81 points per 80% game time there, JB. Yeah, Hrovat was surprising. He got 94 off 68% and then 84 off 81%. The third game was a bit of a um, forget about that one. But, I mean, he did. He definitely surprised me in that North Melbourne outfit. Um, I just I can't really justify his price tag with other players around him looking slightly better or at least slightly safer. I think he's another JLT bolter. Yeah, and I think um, for someone like Jared Ruffett, who's only 60K um, more expensive, you've got that proven premium ability and you, you can be pretty confident that he'll go 85 plus. Whereas with a Rovat, you know, if he has an absolutely stellar year with his amount of development, 80, 85 is what we can, is basically all we can expect. Yeah, 100% agree. Now, the next one is really, really confusing. Um, basically because he's put up absolutely no performances to say that he should be a decent pick. Number 19 on our list, Jake Carlisle, 337K, 10% own him after averaging 53 points per 80% game time, JB. This scares me. Um, I'm not sure why he's on this list. I'm not sure why <laughs> we're talking about him. Um, he got 41 per 76% game time. He got 43 per 83% game time. So increase the game time and he, he just gets worse. Um, I'm, not, I'm not actually sure what 10% of people are thinking. Are you guys all right? Do you, do you, I just don't understand why he's an option. I mean, he's, he's discounted. He's 330K, but he just looks like a terrible player. I'm not sure why people are getting him. Yeah, and uh, it's one of those things that all the, the Essendon players that left due to the supplement saga were all the ones that we didn't need anywhere that, that, that were no good. So yeah. um, basically you can put him in that group and say that he's not worth selecting. Ciao, don't look at him. <laughs> I'm not filthy at all. Um, <laughs> the, the last one we have on our top 20 is Mark Murphy. 9% of teams have him, 432K, 82% game time in the JLT, which is interesting because he only put up 67 points per 80 minutes there, JB. I mean, let's just hope Mark was coasting and he wasn't putting his all into it. We all know what he can average, but fact of the matter is he hasn't averaged at a, a top 20 spot for a couple of years running now. So I think it's it's a little past him, Mark. Not past him as in he doesn't have a decent game in him, but I think the super coach scene is just a little past him. He won't have that consistency that you'll expect from Beams, who's priced identical, and other players around him like O'Meara. So um, unfortunately, if Mark was by himself and there was no Beams or O'Meara options, we'd probably all have him. But in this case, he, everyone's just off him in, rightfully so. One of the, uh, the mid-prices that's only in 4% of teams, he averaged 65% time on grandeur in the JLT, but he was averaging 119 points per 80% time on ground. 426K, it's the injury-prone Sean Higgins. I just want to know, what are 95.8% of people doing? <laughs> it's Sean Higgins, he's, he's done nothing wrong by anyone ever. He's been perfectly con uh, consistent. He's had a great bill of health, and I, I just I, I don't understand. But in all seriousness, this man, he's running through the midfield. There's been a lot of omissions from that North Melbourne side. He's going, he's being that big body running through. He's getting a lot more time there. He's still getting on the scoreboard. Um, I do understand why people aren't going near him with Roughhead and that close by. But I'm well and truly 
probably happy to spend an extra 60K for someone who went 100 off 69%. 123 off 85 percent and then 68 off just 41 percent he had 119 average per 80 percent time on ground like that is just for a forward if he averages 15 points less than that then he's a keeper and he's a top five forward like it's just i don't understand why he's so low rated um but he's definitely in my team and he's been in there for much of the jlt series and he's going to burn me again, no doubt. All right, guys, that pretty much uh, covers our uh, mid-price podcast. All the uh, the top 20 options and a completely useless one tag right on at the end. Um, of all the guys that are, uh, that are fill, <laughs> filling in our, our, our super coach teams, only less than 48 hours from lockout. Um, we'll talk to you soon there, JB. Thanks for jumping on the podcast, mate. We'll catch you during the year. Thanks for having me, mate. All right, community, we'll talk to you later.